Welcome to Tiger Pops Podcast, a place to dissect, analyze, and swoon over the webtoon Midnight Poppyland. Every week, we'll go through another episode and break down character development, relationship regression, plot, symbolism, body language, and more. And of course, we'll be bringing out those tinfoil hats for some theory time. Every week, we'll be joined by sharp-witted, detail-obsessed, and dare I say, thirsty fans ready to tackle the latest gem. Let the analysis begin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 29 of Tiger Pops. And today we have Veronica and Patty, and we are beyond excited because this episode is fantastic. Yes, so excited. Yes, I am. This is Patty. I'm ecstatic to talk about this episode. And I know I've said this before. I'm just kind of humoring you all. But like, I know you're going to be sick of me this week, especially (laughs) because I signed up for all three of the balcony episode because this was like, uh, when I, because I had read the earlier version of Midnight Poppy Land when it was on uh, Webtoons the first time on Canvas. And like, I was looking forward to this so much. And, um, it, and of course, Lily blew away all expectations and she expanded it so much. And, and trust me when I say that this is the best version that we are getting of, of this sequence. I was just so blown away and I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so let's dive. Sorry, Veronica, I didn't let you say hi. Oh, hi, I'm Veronica. No, it's all good. It's all good. No worries. (laughs) Yep. Okay, so let's dive right in. And okay, so let's talk about, I love how Lily starts off this episode because she doesn't start out with a continuation of where they were last week, which is they were on the balcony and he had held her hand and, you know, Poppy was like thrown off by that. This doesn't start off right there. It goes back into the scene of Tora wrapping his hands which is something that apparently, I haven't done this, but apparently you do before you're going to punch really hard with that hand, right? Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, you wrap you wrap your hand so you don't um, break or bruise your knuckles. Yeah. And yeah. the reason Torah has to do that is because Torah is a weapon. And that's what he does. He trains his body all day to intimidate people. And he, this is this episode gives us a lot in the, um, into Torah's perspective because we hear him thinking. And he says, he thinks, fear and intimidation. It's second nature to me, a weapon, an instinct. And then you have another image of him just with his hand, just with his fist, you know, ready to punch. It's the mm-hmm. language of all my life, all I've ever known. And then you see an image of Torah with, um, it's really dark. There's a bunch of guys in business suits in front of him. Torah's there in the center looking really powerful, you know, as he has to be. It looks like he's walking through like a sea of unfriendly people. I don't know if he's about to like, if this is one of his missions where he has to like take all these people down or if they're even people from the clan. But he's like a loner in that picture. You know, he's kind of him against the world. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and he, he stands apart a lot of the time. Um, and we've talked about this before, but he'll stand apart in the way that he dresses. Like even in this panel that we're looking at right now, he's not wearing a suit. And in fact, I'm beginning to think he doesn't like wearing suits. It's not his jam. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he, you could tell that he doesn't like wearing them. He just doesn't when he has to, like he, he has a dress shirt on cause you can see the cuffs, mm-hmm. but he's like, I don't need to wear the jacket. Yeah. Oh, that's a and I'm pretty sure he probably doesn't have a tie on. Yeah, not likely. Um, The other thing I noticed about these panels is that you see the smoke in every single one of them. And and we've talked about how, you know, smoking is an indication for Torah dealing with, you know, his internal emotions, mostly anxiety. Um, 
And I would imagine in those situations, like he's trying to center his mind when he's dealing with that. Um, because we've seen, and, and we're going to see more in this episode, that there's more to Torah than meets the eye. He's not just a weapon. He's not just this brute that everyone paints him to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But in the beginning scenes, you know, this is how he's self-describing. Right. And you know, he says, until now. And then it fades out from those, you know, gray, dark images, you know, where of power and of strength and of isolation. And you fade into mm-hmm. this absolutely gorgeous um, starlit balcony scene. I mean, it's just stunning. You see yeah. Poppy yeah. and Tora looking, gazing into each other's eyes. I can't even, like, Poppy looks shocked, but Tora looks melancholic and intense. Like he's yeah. mm-hmm. can I, some kind of epiphany. Which can I take a moment to point out how in the first couple of panels, Lily really emphasizes how Tora wraps his right hand Mm. and how it's like it's symbolic it's showing that he uses this hand as his weapon that he has to take care of and then it's the hand that he's delicately holding poppy's hand with he's cradling her hand so it's showing that there's this whole other side here's the side of torah that everyone knows and expects and in this very private scene it, and it's just the two of them. He shows how gentle he is. Absolutely. I love that. You know? I love that. I love that she did that. I love like the closed fist and him tightening the, the straps around him. Mm-hmm. And how it's just he's loosely and delicately cradling her hand. Right. Open palm holding it as well. It's like, ugh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. he's, he's using, I love that metaphor because he's using his weapon as a means to care for someone. Because we know from the previous episodes that Poppy was was really having a hard time having this conversation with him about mm-hmm. the dangers of where she's living. And and his first instinct is to comfort her. And if, if you're thinking of Torah as just what he appears to be on the outside, if you take him only as that, then you're missing half of his character. We see here that he is capable of doing that and that he has another instinct in him, which is to comfort her and to care for her. Mm-hmm. I actually also, I love, I love, I love the light on just shining on the back of Poppy's hair. Yes. In this where they're just facing each other. And it's like the way it just highlights yeah, I know. It's just, this is one of my favorites. Oh. Absolute, absolute favorites. I almost made this into my phone case. <laughs> oh, I don't blame you. I have uh, one of the art prints of this because it's one of my absolute favorites. And mm-hmm. I mean, you can see one of, one of the things, and I think it was Lola from Patreon who pointed this out. When you look at the panel and the lighting, um, mm-hmm. and you mentioned this too, Veronica, we see that the light is shining on Poppy. And Tora yeah. is still very much in the dark. So I love how this just really intersects and uh, shows their two worlds mingling and colliding. Mm-hmm. If you want to read a little more in, you could even say that Poppy is turning her back on the light in order to like accommodate Tora and oh, to yeah. come closer to Tora. To face him, she turns her back to the light. Yeah. So she'll, she's going to have to do a temporary dip into his world of darkness in order to bring him out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I also that, noticed that when, I totally 
ah, I totally get it now. <laughs> I totally, especially like as you read on, you're like, oh, wait, she is doing that. She is turning her back to the light to, to address Cora and see the world from his perspective. Yeah. Uh, and Tora is also is being accommodating to her as well. If you notice, he's uh, slouching on the tool, uh, sorry, on the stool, and he's also mm-hmm. slouching as well. So he's not towering over her like he usually does. And this is something yeah. to make her feel more comfortable, to be more on her level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we see yeah. that he does that a lot, and we'll see it again later in this episode. And I just, I appreciate that so much about him because he really wants to understand where she's coming from. Yeah. Right. And now he continues thinking, he says, of all the directions my life has taken, and there's another shot of them, kind of like from a further perspective of them on the porch. I never thought I'd be standing here on this tiny balcony, looking down at this girl. Then the shot of Poppy, you know, looking at him. And this noisy, impulsive, headstrong little thing, (laughs) which I don't know. Have any of you, uh, if any of you are Jane Eyre fans, this is something that Rochester, he describes um, Jane as a also like a headstrong little thing something very similar and I'm like I really thought of that right away yeah Mm -hmm. well and that's such a match for him if you think about it because he's he's this outwardly strong and intimidating person and Poppy has this inner strength that she just unleashes from time to time um and I just I, I don't know I love that about her too and and one of the things that gets me is he's describing her um it the thing that shocked me the first time that I read this was that we're hearing more of Tora's internal experience and how he sees her mm-hmm. prior to this point we didn't know much um mm-hmm. and he's much more thoughtful than I think a lot of people gave him credit for up to this point yeah right and he's using sophisticated language as well he, he isn't using gangster language mm-hmm. you know impulsive headstrong that's you know um, that's pretty in- specific and, you know, it's mm-hmm. a sophisticated vocabulary and he continues like, you're right. He continues with very specific descriptors of her with her messy brown hair and her bright, intelligent and intensely curious eyes. That's very observant. You know, he's able to look at what he sees and, and analyze her and give her, give her these descriptions. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I think we've also talked about, you know, cause obviously the inner workings of his mind, um, you know, that's, that's who he truly is. That's, that's how he sees the world. But I also think it points to his, his intelligence in that, you know, if, if I play the big dumb brute, no one will ever suspect me. No one will ever question me or my loyalty, because if I start showing them that, that I'm smart, that could be dangerous for me. So I think these yes. are things that he doesn't share with other people. Yeah, which is sad that he has to be, you know, so isolating all the time mm-hmm. and by himself. Well, yeah, he's just, he's so calculated, which is in just, it's so different from Poppy, who is, I mean, he points out she's impulsive. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, and she's curious. She wants to know things and will, will just impulsively try to figure something out that she shouldn't do. Yeah. She impulsively tries to solve a big problem that she doesn't really need to necessarily solve, but she gets herself into it. Whereas Tora is just, everything is calculated. Yeah. And it's had everything to be his entire life. If you think mm-hmm. about it, he, 
he's not had the opportunity in the same way that Poppy has. I mean, she can afford to be impulsive. I mean, of course, there's sometimes we're looking at her like, oh, honey, no, don't do that. Um, and we've all done things in our lives, right? Um, we've all done things that everyone's, you look back and you're like, I really did do that. How did I uh-huh. not die? <laughs> I should have died that day. We, we were all 21 at one point, y'all. That's all I'm saying. We all did stupid things. No one. So what I always, what I always say, like past decisions do not need to stay with you forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like past yeah. mistakes are just that. They are past mistakes. Amen Mm-hmm. But like, if you think about it, Torah, Torah, his very survival has depended on him being very calculated and, and very careful about what he does, how he does it, what he says and who he says it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, yeah. I like, I like the way he, he describes you here though, because it's, these are, these are things that she would probably find like her impulsiveness, how noisy she is, her messy brown hair. You know, these are things that she would probably find as, I don't know, faults within herself. Right. But Mm. he looks at it as these, as just like, this is what makes her her. And that makes it all the better. Yeah. Her, her noisiness, her impulsiveness her her messy hair like that's that's what he gravitates towards that's what he finds endearing and feels the need to describe her that way and she probably yeah doesn't like those parts about her she's probably insecure about those parts about her and that's what he thinks about her and that I love he's he's very in tune with her flaws and and he like you said he finds them endearing and that's what attracts him to her because it makes her real you know, we all have flaws. We all have things that we would rather not be or say or do. And, um, you know, that we chastise ourselves for, but at the end of the day, like sometimes those are the very things that our partners love in us. Yeah. Right. And it's great that he recognizes this already. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is very emotionally observant, but you know, he's not w- walking into like a lot of people when they're young, when they get into relationships, they're like, Oh, by, by, person is perfect I know I was like that mm-hmm. I was like ridiculously fantastical and unrealistic I was like my husband is the only one who's perfect I don't know it just worked out for me <laughs> <laughs> no what is yeah. it that so so I I baited my my now partner like hardcore like super hardcore I baited him so in my previous life I was a hairdresser and I met him because he came in as my clients mm. and I instantly like we instantly had a connection it was like one of those like it really was like not love at first sight, but potential for love at first sight. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so the very first time I met up with him outside of the salon, I purposely made sure I didn't have any makeup on my face. Oh, because like, every time he did see me in the salon, I was so dolled up. I was like, mm, Scott's coming in. I got to make sure I look cute today. <laughs> But then, but then the first time I I met up with him, like outside of the professional setting, I didn't have any makeup on my face whatsoever. And I was like, "You need to see me." Absolutely. What the real face looks like, not the dolled up face. Right. And then he realized I never dressed up for work. I was like, "What? I don't. I don't dress up for work." That was just when you came in. Oh, I bet that makes it really special. Hmm? I bet that made him re- feel really special. 
It did. When when we started living together and he realized how much time I, I don't spend getting ready in the morning and how I just literally would throw on anything and then run out with my hair not even brushed before I went to my salon. He was just like, wait, what? <laughs> so, but yeah, it's like, again, I, I love that that Lily makes Poppy so real and relatable. And those are the things that Tor gravitates towards. It's the, like, the realness of her. Yeah. And if you think about it, the, the fact that she has flaws and that he's okay with it, it gives him a chance to know that he, yes, he has flaws too. I am not saying Tor is perfect. We would love for him to be perfect, but that's not the case. Um, he's not an angel. You know, he's got a heart of gold, don't get me wrong, but he's done some things in his life. And, you know, there's there's probably things about him that he's ashamed of. And I think if he knows how to accept and love those flaws in Poppy, that she will be able to do the same. Obviously, they're not there yet, but I really I really feel like it's their flaws that are going to be the thing that brings them together the most. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's smart. And, you know, and then he continues with his inner dialogue and he says, um, this girl, you know, who somehow completely crashed into my life completely by accident, all because of an effing notebook. And this next panel is, (laughs) yeah, I know, right, the way I see his face is I see him as he's really kind of like calm and contemplative and he's really gazing at her and he's he looks much more open than he previously has you know where usually he's very closed off and is he's enigmatic and you can't read his expression yeah here he looks really <laughs> contemplative like he's looking at her and he's really thinking and you know you see in his thoughts he's thinking like and we'll just read it and i find myself wondering if there's another way for someone like me to live and it looks like he's really undergoing this transformative moment mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. he thinks, you know, wow, could life be any different? Like a door and, has and been opened. She feels she feels something in him shifting just by him being there, just looking at her. That's why she calls him out. She's like, Torah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. She's perceptive as well. She's in tune with him. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to know, you know, given that what what little we do know of Torah's history, the fact that he's thinking about this and that he's he's like he's seeing that there's a door open that he might possibly be able to travel through um, mm-hmm. tells me that he's done a lot of his own introspective work, because when you've been through the things that he's been through, there's there's a lot of complications that can happen along the way, a lot of stumbling, a lot of emotional vomiting and things like that. And, and to me, the fact that he's able to contemplate this and to give, give another way of thinking and another way to live a chance tells me that he's matured through this and kind of dealt with some of his past demons. Mm-hmm. Right. If it, if it was the first time that he's thinking about it, then he wouldn't be at that stage. You're right. He must have thought about it before to some extent. Right. Right. And, you know, it's sad that the way he says, you know, he describes someone like me to live, right? So he knows who he is. He understands what he is. And he, you know, like you said, he feels ashamed about it. Right. But um, yeah, he's very self-conscious. Yeah. And then the look Poppy gives him, like just very wide-eyed and a little shocked, I think. Oh, yeah, she definitely comes across surprised. 
maybe because he's never held a hand before. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you look at this guy that's sex on a stick and you're like, what? Mm-hmm. Never? What? <laughs> and I think she's also surprised to see emotion on his face and to see like that, you know, that openness and that like step back that he takes. Yeah. Because he's mm-hmm. not like that usually. Yeah. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. He's very closed off. And then like, he slides his hand down and is just sitting there holding her hand. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love the way that he he's he's asking like, does this feel weird? Like he's afraid he's doing it wrong. Oh, yeah. I know that broke my heart. I was like, oh. Right, <laughs> Tora, who's normally very confident and gives off like, I don't need you. I don't need anyone. You know, mm-hmm. I can do everything myself. And you know, here he's he's being vulnerable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he wonders and he's actually he's curious about what she thinks. He says, what does it feel like to look at the world the way she does? What does she see when her eyes go wide with surprise? Which is just beautiful that he really, you know, that that's what he sees about her. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, so it's oh God, I could gush about this for days. It's he he wants to see what that's like. He wants a chance for it because, he, I mean, he's 26 years old. He's never had that. And, you know, here's this girl who, as far as he knows, has had a relatively normal life and is open and caring. And uh, we'll see this a little bit later in the episode, but she she's very tender and very patient with him. Um, And I don't think he's experienced that a whole lot in his life. No, no, you can tell he doesn't or hasn't. You know, like she doesn't, she doesn't get weirded out when he asks, does it feel weird? She says, it doesn't feel weird. You know, and then she just kind of goes into why she needs to hold his hand, which I think is really cool because, you know, he's the one who grabbed her hand. Mm Hmm. Yeah. And she says, you know, it doesn't, I just figured I've had a rough night and I could do with some human touch, you know. And then she also, like, she, they both open their hands and they're, like, sliding it on top of each other. It's just, oh, God. Oh, and then they interlock their hands. I know. Oh. <laughs> like, as much as I love these two and they're beautiful and, like, I am thirsty as all get out. Um, I mean, y'all know I'm a thick writer, so this is, like, my bread and butter. But, like, hand holding, <laughs> that's what does me in, like, completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's so connected it's so you know it's something you only do with someone that you trust yeah and shows like support for each other and caring you know oh it's just gorgeous and i just love how her little hand is like in his so giant well. hand <laughs> with her cardigan sleeve because it's so big on her i know <laughs> I know. It's so adorable. Lily, you're killing us, but we love you for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, and if you notice, the two things that he notices about her are things that are very different than him. He says, what does she see when her eyes go wide with surprise or when her face lights up with excitement? You know, he doesn't show emotions mm-hmm. the way she does. She's very open. So this is like novel to him you know, that she shows so many emotions. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, and um, I think one of the reasons as to why I gravitate towards them as a couple because they oh, but there's a little bit of an echo. I do hear it now. Is it better? I'm not hearing it. 
Okay. Stop. Okay, I just want to make sure. But yeah, one of the things like I love, yeah, I love the contrast, the strong and stoic against the small and feisty. Uh-huh. It's like, ah, it reminds me of my parents because that's exactly like how my parents are. Oh, really- my father, my father is quintessential stoic reserved Asian father that does not emote whatsoever. Like, like not at all. Like <laughs> you ask him like, hey, pa, what are you watching? A movie. And you're like. That's it. That's all you're going to give us is you're just going to say it's a movie. You're not even going to give us the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or like my mom, who is she has the biggest personality. Like there was one time when we were all fam- like vacationing in the Philippines and my father was at a coffee shop where it was. Um, and this was only like a year and a half ago. And my dad was in a coffee shop and he was and the very first like philippine miss universe was there as well and Mm -hmm. so her and then when my dad got back to our family's house he goes to my mom he's like oh she's still very beautiful miss (sighs) universe but you have more presence than her oh mom and we're all like oh my gosh you're the cutest little guy ever. That was like, he, and he never speaks. This man never speaks. So for him to just come out and say something like that, it's like, oh my gosh, no wonder you guys have been married for almost 50 years because that shit is cute. Like, right? <laughs> the fact that he could still say stuff like that. I feel like that's something Tora would say. He would tell Pop mm-hmm. he has such a strong presence compared mm-hmm. to anyone else. Like, fuck anyone else. It's the presence. I love your presence. Yeah. Which is what. All of this is same. Well, and we see that like when they're alone together, they are themselves. They are their most mm-hmm. authentic selves than they are any other time in the comic because they don't have the spotlight on them. They don't have the microscope on them. And, you know, Tora can let down some of his defenses and Poppy can kind of tune down some of her, her feistiness a little bit so that they can kind of meet in the middle. But I mean, they, they complement each other so well. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. Oh, and I wondered when I first read what Poppy said, I was wondering if she was feeling some kind of romantic way, but she didn't want to express it. So mm-hmm. that's why she was like, oh, just some human touch. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I I think she was definitely like she was definitely feeling something, it's, especially when you like look back at how she reacted when he held her hand, when he first held her hand at Quincy's apartment and she was yeah and she tried to justify like why it felt good to have him hold her hand and she's Mm -hmm. doing it again Mm -hmm. but she had this blush on her face and like just kind of content look Mm -hmm. as well and I kind of wonder you know now that I'm looking back on it and knowing what we know about jewelry now you know for one if somebody cheats on you like there's obviously things going on and there's breakdown in the relationship. And I, I wonder if Poppy was lacking that too. Cause let's not forget, she just caught jewelry cheating, what, a few days ago at this point. And so mm-hmm. she's probably in a pretty vulnerable spot too. And for someone to comfort her in that way, I, I don't know that jewelry's ever done that. I'm pretty sure he hasn't. Yeah. Let's be real. Like I've dated a jewelry before. Oh, they don't, they don't comfort girl. I'm sorry. That's awful. 
I mean, yeah, like my previous boyfriend before I met my partner, he was totally I mean, I I didn't let him gaslight me, but he tried. (laughs) He tried. And I and I was just like, why are you like, why are you even with me? Because you keep telling me all these things that sound like you don't like me. But then but then you you are still with me. Like, why are we together? You know, and I feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, in this moment, they both really need each other, even if they mm-hmm. don't really understand why at this point. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's underneath the surface. Pa- Tor does seem to be a little more in tune with at least this element of his, of his feelings. But yeah, Papi is definitely in denial. Yeah, that's her oh, go-to. <laughs> yeah, and Tora, you know, he thinks to himself, or maybe I just want to know what holding my hand feels like for her, which I think is very... It's both self-conscious and, you know, he wants to know what she feels, which is, you know, both concern for her, but also it goes back to himself, you know, like, what does she think of me? Yeah. Because he's very concerned with what people think of him and what she thinks of him. Yeah. And I mean, look at her face in this panel. She's so relaxed. I mean, she's smiling. Uh, Mm -hmm. At first she was a little shocked by his reaction, but when they decided to hold each other's hand, like her faith just relaxed mm-hmm. yeah and she says you know she tells him it's like when you're stressed and you go for a massage so like yeah she she does feel like it's relaxing for her and then you see another panel of their their hands you know really being held closely together and then 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 there's the blush so i do think that she is feeling something that she isn't admitting yeah and she feels uncomfortable because she immediately that right after that, after she blushes and she feels embarrassed, she lets go of their hands. And you see, like she's the one who let go. The motion is with her hand, and Tora is still like reaching out after her. Oh wow! Is, like, yeah, in their relationship now. Yeah. Well, and I think in the the episode moments leading up to this, there's a little bit because we've talked about Poppy's denial and her her way of like pretending things away she definitely does this here um you know yes Mm -hmm. she's comforted by torah but there's some hard truths about torah that she's not ready to accept she's a smart lady she knows that something is up with him um but i don't don't think she's ready for the reality of it i think honestly at this point she isn't even that far like you said she just broke up you know broke up whatever she didn't mm-hmm. even break up with him she found out about jewelry a few days ago so i don't think she's even thinking about like having any romantic relationship at right. this point right and i honestly i would question whether or not she wants to have him in her life at all just because of you know what she suspects about his organization and you know what he's involved in um because i, I wouldn't blame her i think any of us like yes i know tora is is completely hot and we would all love to be in Poppy's shoes. But I also think that, you know, if we were faced with a situation like this, we would run 10 miles in the opposite direction. Yep. Yeah, that is, that is true. You know, like I would love to think that I would be like, Oh, you know, I'll help you change and da 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 da. But that's not healthy. Um, You know, and you can't go into it trying to change the person or trying to, have them be somebody that they're not. And there's just a lot of unknowns. They barely know each other at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is what this, the, the third time they've met up. Yeah, I think so. And it's only been a few days. 
Yeah, because the first, well, the first time, it's not not exactly a meetup. It was more of a bump in. Right. So, and then, and then the next day, Chevy's. More, yeah, Chevy's. And again, kind of like more of a coincidental bump, bump in. Right. And then, yeah. And it was so, restaurant that night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, this was like a situation where it just, the this is connecting the dots. The world is just making it so that they are running into each other. Right. This, the only time that they've spent time together where it was intentional was at um, at Alice's. Right. Mm-hmm. That was the only intentional time that they hung out. All these other times, like this wasn't supposed to happen that night. Right. He was, he was beta reading. He was, you know... <laughs> He was beta reading gay smut. Like that's what his night was. Yep. And now now he's on this little balcony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole night, if you think of like the entire day from start to finish, is totally wackadoodle and crazy. Like I, I don't I don't know how Poppy hasn't just said, peace out, I'm taking a nap later. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and again, it's like the the contrast is so funny. There's Poppy out on Airy Street running around trying to catch some bad guys and save some people. And there's Tora working out and beta reading. Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> Reversal. Yeah. And she's in the danger zone. Yeah. Yeah. Just so but, funny. Yeah. So if we're going to talk about fate bringing them together, you know, Tora seems to feel that like fate put them together because he says that holding her hand feels like the most natural thing in the world. Yeah. Which is so beautiful. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, that no. always sticks with me. I'm like, oh God, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. Hey, the first time he's had that affection and he loves it. He's lapping it up. He's like, this feels great. This poor boy, you know, he's never had that experience. And now he's like, this feels wonderful. And it does feel wonderful. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first hugged my husband, it was like a very emotional experience for me. Yeah. Um, I always, you know, I met, I felt talk about this all the time. I grew up uh, very religious and we didn't, you know, we didn't even talk to members of the opposite gender, let alone touch them. So when I met my husband and the first time that I hugged him, so he was like my first romantic relationship. Yeah. And, um, and then when I hugged him, it was, it was this amazing, profound experience. And I felt like this hole that was inside me just fill up. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not, I don't mean in an imperverted way. Like, with, no, of course, no. now that I'm married. No, I totally, I totally didn't take it that way. I, I, yeah. It was like, like, more like you found that person whose body fits yours and you didn't know that was possible. Right. Yeah, and actually, I, I remember that feeling. It was like, I used to read a lot of, you know, not, I wouldn't say romance novels, but novels with like romance in them. And then I would have this like feeling in my heart whenever the, the characters would be, have a loving moment. And when I hugged him, it was like that whole loving feeling just like filled me up. And I was like, oh, this is what I was reading about. Like, this is a real feeling. Like, I wasn't just imagining it. This is true. This is authentic. And yeah, I felt that wholeness. Yeah. It which I meant like coming home. Like, and I remember mm-hmm. that very distinctly the first time that I embraced my husband. It's, I, I so I totally get you on that, Mindy. Like, it just, it felt right. I don't have mm-hmm. a scientific way of describing it, which you all know I'm very cerebral in that right, but it just felt like home. Yeah. No, I, I think I think anyone that has experienced that can contest that that is a true feeling. That's, that's, it's a real thing. Because again, like, 
it happened between my partner and I where like the first time we really connected actually we didn't hug we went like the first time we really showed any affection was through a kiss so it wasn't the first hug but it was like it was like one of those things where we were like hanging out and then he was like inching closer and then I was inching closer and then his face was like so close to my face and I was like shit this is about to happen right I'm I'm just like I'm gonna look away because I'm so nervous right now like you're straight about to kiss me and I can feel it so I'm gonna look away (laughs) this is where I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to be here right (laughs) well and it's funny you say that because like when I first met my husband I mean we talked online for like three months because he was in Afghanistan he was deployed at the time and so when he came back that was when he and I first met and So it was like all of this emotion that we had built up in the time that we were talking together, it just kind of culminated in in that moment. And like, it was insane. I had never felt anything like it. I mean, I've had boyfriends, I've had girlfriends, like it felt like nothing else. So I totally get you there. Mm -hmm. I I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like a big melt inside. I know. And, and then now and this is what Torres is experiencing for the first time and I think he's experiencing it with the right person you know we were pretty sure that he's been with other women before but right. this is not he's never had this before he's never yeah. had that feeling of home that feeling of naturalness that feeling of this is where I should be holding her hand right <sighs> yeah Poppy's reactions here are you know she pulled back and Tora responds to that because you see in this next panel, she's putting her hands close to her body. You know, she's withdrawing into herself. Mm-hmm. She's putting her hand on her chest, one hand on her chest, one hand on her face. And Tora has then, you know, put both of his hands back in his pockets, I think, in reaction to her yeah. because he's perceptive. And, you know, she, again, she's a little nervous. She's smiling. She's trying to, like, justify it away. She's like, oh, thanks for loaning me your hand. <laughs> Since he was right, you really are much gentler than you look, which is sweet. And yeah. you know, he doesn't even respond. He doesn't say anything. He's just still watching her. And I think he kind of recognizes she's being she's obfuscating a bit, but he's mm-hmm. also, I think, still emotionally impacted by that hand holding. And I think he's just taking a moment to let it sink in. Yeah. Yeah. Because that that's gotta be a big deal for him. Like if he's never held a hand before, that's a huge step in like the emotional intimacy department and that was one of the things that I loved the contrast at the beginning of this this episode to where we're at now we went from talking about violence fear and intimidation to softness intimacy and just closeness yeah Mm -hmm. right that's the opposite of what he's experienced Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know Poppy is continuing to feel uncomfortable she's like I hope that wasn't too weird for you either quaff (laughs) (laughs) apologizing for something that she doesn't need to apologize for i know it's not like she initiated the hand holding it was him yeah and so it's like why are you (laughs) but i guess she could tell that it was something that's not it's an well it's not that she could tell it's he stated it like it's not an act he does often so i guess that was her way of trying to make him feel better about the hand holding yeah, I think you're right on the money with that, Veronica, because, you know, he, there's been a lot of back and forth up to this point of them comforting each other. And I think this is her reciprocating. Mm-hmm. Right. But, yeah, they're not ready to be too deep with each other yet. You know, they're not ready to admit that they feel something for each other. Mm-hmm. 
And now, you know, Tora res- responds to that. He, he starts off by saying, I, and this is while he's still looking at her, uh-huh. but then he changes his mind. So we don't know what he was going to say, right? Maybe he wanted to say like, I like you or like something like that. Yeah. But he then looks away and then, then he reverses and he goes into like, you know, saving faith mode. I was just kidding back there. I can't do any of that shit I was talking about, but someone else could. And, you know, he's he's distancing himself, right? He's look, turning away from her. His body is turned away from her. His face is turned away from her. He's not looking at her. And then he stands. And yeah. he says, balcony burglaries on the rise. It's all over the news. Just get better locks and install grids bills if you can. So he doesn't want to scare her, right? He, right? he doesn't want her to think that he can do what he said he could do, which is, you know, scale her 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 building and pick her locks. But he does want to keep her safe. So he does, he's still giving her, like, practical information. Yeah. And she's like, okay. <laughs> And I feel like in this moment, you know, because of course there, it, the episodes leading up to this, there's a lot of lying, deflecting and using deflecting humor. Um, I think here, you know, he's, he's definitely having a hard time. He doesn't want to look at her while he's lying to her, but I think he also in that moment felt maybe just a smidge of rejection because Poppy is Poppy pulled away from him. And, mm-hmm. and she's kind of going into this default deflect, uh, like pretend this isn't happening kind of mode. And he can sense that she's not ready. And so he's like, okay, I'll, I need to cocoon back in and, you know, make up some excuse why I need to leave or whatnot. That's very, yeah. very true. Right. They both really feed off each other's reactions. Yeah. And Poppy does look worried, you know, even though, like you said, she deflected and she was pulling away from him. Uh-huh. She does kind of upset that he he does that. You know, she looks right. anxious, her eyes are upturned. She says, OK, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, here, this is, I thought it was very funny. Like, he's like, oh, go get some rest. I'll take over from here, which is very gentlemanly. But like she already prepared the food, like everything's ready. There's nothing to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, God, that's too funny. Like. I think, mm-hmm. I think he's just well and if you think about it they just had this very intimate moment that they, neither one of them were prepared to have and now like reality is sinking back in and so I, I think we're kind of in the, at this impasse of like okay we need to go our separate ways I need to get back to reality because this isn't I, I think there's part of his internal dialogue here I'm just guessing that says this isn't going to be possible for me like at least not now mm-hmm. I can't do this right now yeah. He does think to himself, he says, and every moment spent with her, I find myself wanting to know more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he did experience something and he does want to know more, but he, yeah, he needs to do it in like the, the planned route, which is, you know, eat dinner, delete picture. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. At least Poppy still got her priorities straight. I don't blame her. Like, hey, don't think I forgot about the photo. Right. Yes, you know, they're both going back to their, like, you know, when, when people are in a relationship, but they think about the other person, now they're both going back into, you know, their individual lives. You know, I'm, I'm here for myself. What am I doing here? What do I need for myself? Mm-hmm. And yeah, she takes the lead and he follows her, which is nice. I like that, you know, that he, this big man has turned into like the, the follower here. Yes. <laughs> but he offers her, he tells her, you know, you really see that he reached a stage where he trusts her. And he said, he says, you don't have to, I'm deleting it now. And he just doesn't care anymore. He doesn't want to, he, he doesn't want her to think negatively of him or to think of him as like this brute who's holding this over her head. He just 
he's, he's doing it. He's getting rid of it for her so that she can feel comfortable. Right. Like I, we, I think we all know that he just used that as kind of bait to find out more about the notebook. I don't think he ever was going to use it in a transactional sense. Like I think he knew from the get go that he was going to delete that photo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, she turns around, she's surprised. She's like, really? And she, by the way, she looks gorgeous. in that <laughs> picture. She yeah. is so curvy and beautiful. Oh my right. god. <laughs> Poppy, I need you to teach me your ways with your hair. Please. <laughs> she does have good hair. I don't know why he says it's messy. I know. I'm like, where are you coming from on that? Where's the messy at? <laughs> yeah. It's not like his hair is that neat either. <laughs> Goodness. But yeah, this shot of her, she's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why Tora is into her. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. <laughs> oh, and you know they're done. She uh, he actually hands her his phone, which is again a sign of like trust. And, that is true. Um, you don't hand your phone over to people you don't know, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's a big risk for him too, considering like who usually contacts him. Can you imagine if somebody had like popped up a text message? Yeah, <laughs> right, Vincent. Okay, tonight's hit will be. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> well, I think. Well, okay. So if they, if they're a, a very smart organization, then I think everything would be writ like everything that they write would be in a more like encrypted code. Would be how they speak. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. in person, that's when they say the real stuff. That is so they wouldn't say anything incriminating during a uh, text message. Very good point. Very good point. Yeah, especially since I mean it's like you, Tor is too smart to leave anything incriminating on his phone. Mm-hmm. So even if someone did for some reason text him something incriminating, he like to him towards him, he would delete it. He wouldn't keep that right. I completely agree. And he might have a burner phone. In fact, I think later on in the episode, we see a different phone. So it might be a burner phone. Yeah. Someone like him, he probably has several phones. He needs them. I imagine he breaks them a lot. Probably. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. But then can we please go down to the next one? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) I cannot. (laughs) Yeah, so he's sitting at the table and he's looking at the food and there's this little bluff on his face and all are wide open he's staring at it he looks like completely taken aback and, and then he says like, what is he staring at he says it's a tiger with hair and you see this bento that Poppy has made him she made a, a tiger ball it's like a, a rice ball with a tiger and it has everything it looks like Tori has black hair over his face it has gauges in his ears so it has black eyeliner like Tora. <laughs> his big eyelashes. Oh I, I love that attention to detail, Poppy. Really love the eyelash bits because you know she digs it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. all dig it. And I, I think I erroneously like freaked out when we first saw this episode because I was like, oh my god, she even did the flowers and the fish for the tattoos. And I'm like, okay, I went a little overboard with that. <laughs> 
Ben, she does clarify that later, but she's definitely put a ton of detail and attention to his meal. Like, this is something so thoughtful. You know, this is like she's made fishies and she's made stars and it's just arranged beautifully. Uh, This is just, it's like really caring, you know, to make someone something, an image of him, it's adorable. Mm-hmm. And that takes a ton of work too. Like I, that's a lot of time. That's time consuming. First off, you have to cook the rice. Rice does not cook quickly. No, rice takes at least forty to fifty minutes to cook correctly. And then on top of it, she has to handle it. Right <laughs> when it comes out, that shit's hot. <laughs> I'm wondering, like, fresh rice is hot. <laughs> I mean, you know, Tori is hot. We do admit that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh but I, I just remember screeching when I saw this just because it was so adorable. It's just, it's Lily just surprises us with these little things that you just don't expect. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we're we're here thinking she's just making him some beef and miso soup. Like right. whatever. Just a meal. <laughs> nah, it's not just a meal, it's the cutest meal ever. Right. And, and this is like the beginning. Well, of course, they, they had a meal at Alice's, but we continue to see this theme of them when they share a meal together. Um, this is this is them caring for each other. And I just I love that because we, we get so much intimacy when they're having a meal together. Yes, that that is very true. You know, and there's there's part of me that's like, OK, this is cutesy, you know, and. I think really it's, it's a way of her, like I mentioned this on Patreon when I was originally talking about this episode, um, but there's a lot of reparenting going on here. You know, she's, she's teaching him things. She's being gentle with him and um, you know, like a patient, like a parent would, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So the next panel we have Tora being a total king because he has done her dishes. I like how neat <laughs> they look. They're like so clean. Also, they they used a lot of dishes for like two people, but whatever. <laughs> they sure did, didn't they? Like she is maybe Poppy's the type who uh, uses every pot and pan in the kitchen. <laughs> well, yeah, I think she she is because I mean, if you're making soup and then sautéing meat and then also cooking rice, that's yeah, a lot of things. that's a lot of things. I mean, these are all serving dishes. She has like two big wooden bowls, black bowls. Small little, like a sauce bowls, <laughs> like two big plates, four, like six, I think, small plates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anywho, but kudos, kudos to Tora for that. Like, get you a man that does the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's also it's highlighting. You know, this is a side to him that the world doesn't see. Mm-hmm. Everyone sees the big brute, the thug, and he's so domestic and he's so caring and he's just doing things for her that like are very you know, low key, normal man kind of guy, kind of thing, even, you know, good man kind of thing. So this is just like a side that nobody understands about him. He doesn't get to show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now he's sliding the door. He's like, why is she so quiet outside? And then he notices as he's wiping his hands, he sees Poppy sleeping and she said she fell asleep, must have been running on adrenaline the whole night. And I was shocked when I saw this because I was like, mm-hmm actually fell asleep while a strange guy was in your house and she's like under the covers she like decided to go to sleep right she didn't just like randomly fall asleep yeah i noticed that too because i mean if she was just taking a nap like shutting her eyes real quick she would have just kind of laid on top of her bed 
Yeah. And she felt comfortable. And she yes, was ready to go into an actual sleep. Right. So, and this kind of gave me the indication, uh, y'all, that he, um, you know, they've they've built a little bit of trust together because, you know, they they've obviously been through quite a bit up until this night, and you know, they've had some very real conversations. And, I mean, yeah, she's totally wiped. There's no doubt about it. I would be too if I was in her shoes, but. Um, you know, I don't know if it's just because like they've, they've grown closer or if she's just naturally trusting maybe a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I don't I, think she's naturally trusting based mm-hmm. on her behavior the rest of the, the time. Okay. I don't know. I mean, this is like just excessive to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's very sweet because it, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very vulnerable. And I, you know, I think Tora senses that because he says, wake up, kid, which is, you know, very affectionate. And it kind of shows that he, he views her as a little bit childlike because he's so, you know, mature and out in the world. And he's he's seen so much. And yeah. she seems to him, you know, sheltered and, and vulnerable, especially now that she's sleeping. Right. He has this little smile on his face when, he's, when he says that. Mm-hmm. This, this affection. Yeah. And, oh, my God, this panel of Poppy when she's just waking up. I'm like, that is oh, so sweet. Yeah. I know. Yeah, he in the next panel he squats down and he's he's at her level actually he's below her level yeah i love that i love that he he doesn't just stand and tower over her mm-hmm. is that he, he chose to squat so that they can see more eye to eye and she can feel more comfortable right especially in such a vulnerable situation where she was just sleeping yeah so it's just another way of him showing that he, like, he means no harm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that that was really cute. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I just really love these few panels and, you know, just the way, you know, he's just so endearing with her. And um, like you were saying, you know, that he he wants her to feel comfortable around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think he, he does all this stuff without even um, thinking it through. Mm-hmm. I think he has a lot of kind of, I guess, probably from years of observation of observing people and observing body language and how it, it affects other people and in their interactions. I think he does this stuff intuitively now. I don't think he even thinks it through it consciously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's awesome. And, you know, he says, you know, she was like, oh, sorry, I was rushing my eyes. I must have dozed off. What time is he heading back now? He says, yeah, I need you to lock up after I leave because he's concerned about her safety. He's yeah. he wants her to lock up after everything he's on. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that he didn't go and, like, shut her slider door and lock it. <laughs> Make sure this stays locked. Yeah. You should close the curtains. Why don't you have curtains? Like, I can totally see that happening. He comes back the next day. Like I, I half expected him to come with like a bag of like padlocks and shit the next day. Like here, you need to lock this up. <laughs> yeah. So this next panel, I have to say, it influenced me in the most weird way possible. Mm-hmm. So you see how Tora is crouching, mm-hmm. and I was looking at his crouch, and I was like, okay, this is like, this is like intense because it's his feet. Okay, we. So I looked at apparently Westerners and Asians crouch differently, right? The way we say, oh my gosh, this is an Asian, Asian squat. Yeah. So (laughs) I've been everyone in my life, Asian squats. (laughs) Okay. So apparently this is not even an Asian squat because I I saw in the comments that Lily said that this is a Slavic squat. 
Now, okay, so Western oh. squat, we, we go like on our heels, you know, it's kind of higher up. Um, Asian squat is like the feet, right? But apparently mm-hmm. Slavic squat, you see how his feet are, are straight up instead of like to the side? So <laughs> apparently, I tried this so hard and I can't do it. Now, I don't know if it's, up to, if it's like my feet need to be stretched more. I think it's personally impossible. But I will say now when I brush my teeth, every night when I brush my teeth, I do an Asian squat because I think it's like healthy and I want to stretch my legs and I want to like get some exercise and I want to be like tore up. <laughs> so now I instead of brushing my teeth like a normal person, I squat when I brush my teeth and doing an Asian squat. <laughs> I Asian squat sitting on like when I brush my teeth, I'll, I'll sit on the closed lid toilet and Asian squat. Just because wow. it's actually just a really comfortable seating position for me because I've been doing it my whole life. Like so for me, for me it's still exercise at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like it's oh, so I do it without even thinking. Like I can just just kind of drop down straight and then I'm squatting. And then if I want, I just like sit on my butt and then or I just stand right back up. I don't know. It's just it's so, like if I'm standing in line at like an amusement park and I'm just like, oh, I need to sit. <laughs> I just I just squat that is so funny because like I look at that like forever so I look at that and I'm like oh oh my god my knees like no (laughs) like ladies I'm sorry I'm like I'm an old lady I'm 35 years old if I did that you would hear every bone in my knee crack (laughs) oh what is it the woman that did the tattoo on my arm she was 97 and she was asian squatting the whole time she did my tattoo my partner everyone else's tattoo that was there she did like six people in a row and she asian squatted the whole time and she's old (laughs) she's in a in a in a mountain like rice um rice farms like where there are the rice terraces and whatnot in the Philippines. And yeah. so like they squat like that all the time when they're picking rice. Mm. It's a very, wow. it's just a very common huh. like, position. I remember reading an account of somebody like this Western guy who uh, lived in Africa for a while. And he was saying how like everyone there squats a lot. And, you know, he got used to when he was able to squat like for like five hours, eight hours at a time. And I was like, oh my God, like I, I can't do it for more than a few minutes, even a Western squat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I like try to build up my endurance but I um I cave <laughs> yeah yeah maybe yeah, when I, I was like 20 I could have pulled that off but not anymore <laughs> yeah but it's just like when you've just been doing it your whole life without ever thinking about it it's just mm-hmm. like when I saw it I didn't think anything of it like when when I saw right. it and he was squatting like that I didn't think anything of it because I'm like oh yeah of course he knows how to squat like that <laughs> like why wouldn't he, why wouldn't he be that nimble <laughs> Well, yeah, and he's very muscular. So like I didn't and honestly, like I didn't think anything of it either uh, when I saw the panel because I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, he, you know, he's he could probably do everything under the sun uh, physically. So I was like, apparently bulky people uh, do have trouble with like uh, limberness and flexibility. So mm -hmm. um, I'm not so sure that me or maybe, you know, maybe not be a perfect God in that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, one of the things I wanted to point out with this panel, um, the, the first time that I read it, um, and, and like I said, I tend to overanalyze things. So maybe I'm looking too deep into this, but I found the composition of where each of them is, is sitting pretty interesting because Mm -hmm. Torah is, you know, he's, he's squatted down, but he's, you know, the background of where he's standing 
is the um, the cityscape and the open door. And mm-hmm. Poppy is in her bed. You know, it's it's very uh, it's a her warm environment. And so, you know, we we were talking throughout these last few episodes of just the the color shifts and changes. And to me, this this spoke is like Tora not really having a home of sorts. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of he's he's a little on the transient side and like we find that out a little bit later but um poppy is grounded she you know she has the comforts of home she's sitting in her bed and you know he's not doing any of those things and he's um you know i, I don't know if that was intentional or not but i just thought that it was a a great way to to split the panel and to mm-hmm. look at their respective different lives and and like how they look at the world because he's I, I feel like in some ways he feels kind of aimless in that you know he has a few places where he grounds and calls home like we know Alice's um Frank and Franz um uh, we know that he's close with those folks but even those places are are they're places of temporary respite they don't they're, they're not where you they're not what you call home and we've seen his apartment it also looks very transient um but Poppy, her her apartment is very lived in. It's very homey, um, and so I just I don't know. In this this shot, that's what I saw. Yeah, hundred percent. Wow, that's very profound. Mm-hmm. Especially when you take in the what looks like, you know, bars behind him. No mm-hmm. kidding. No. Yeah. Oh no. Wow, that's sad. Like it's always like no matter what, it's always caged in a little. Yeah, that that seems to be an ongoing theme. And I seem to remember uh, Peg was pointing that out, too, that, like, there's always a lot of uh, vertical lines alongside him um, and in behind him. And, the, again, bars are a theme with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, true. Our poor boy. I know. <laughs> I know. He just needs I can't wait to happy. But I mean, conversationally with this, like, I'm glad that <laughs> Poppy's like bringing up, she's like, wait, no, we have to talk. <laughs> you can't leave yet. I know. Yeah. And Tor is receptive. He says, fine, spit it out. But, you know, I love him. He really, he doesn't, he really does allow her to speak to him and to, you know, further their relationship. Yeah. He listens to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's like, oh, it's not a big deal. She kind of has a little bit of bedhead here. It's really cute. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to thank you properly for that night. And thank you for catching me when I fell from the tree and for checking to make sure I was fine. And this is like, this is great because, you know, she's giving him something that he probably never gets. Yeah. You know, appreciation and some and pointing out his kindness, which, you know, he wasn't able to hear it at Alice's restaurant. He was not in the state to hear it. He he refused. Yeah. But, you know. Now he's more receptive. You know, his his face is looking up at her and he seems not so comfortable, but he's listening. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, he's kind of deer in the headlights here a little bit. Like, what do I do? What do I say? I'm not used to this. This is, this is not my territory. Because I'm sure he's used to getting commands and delivering commands. There's, there's no please and thank you in his world. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, no one giving him a pat on the back. Tora, you're a good boy. Tora, you're a good guy. Tora, you're you know you're smart. You're this or that. And if it is, it's done in a prudent manner. Like Vincent uses those endearing terms and those types of affections to manipulate Tora. We've already seen him do it. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. This is some, like probably the first time he's really seeing someone just appreciate him without a motive behind it. Right. Yep. And, you know, she points out that that's what he was doing for her. You probably didn't think I'd recognize you or expect anything in return. You know, she's pointing out that he's kind for the sake of being kind. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I was having a rough night, but everything feel better. So that was very kind and sweet of you. Like she's just genuinely complimenting him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's so flustered. Like, he yeah. Has his face. But Bobby yeah, Bedhead and her little, her blush on her face. It's just like, oh my gosh, she was just so mm-hmm. sweet looking in this moment. Yeah. And like, I, I get why he's, you know, part of me. And again, I have no idea if this was an, in, an intention or not. But I mean, she's sitting in her bed. They're very, very clearly attracted to each other. And his, his phrasing of what do you want me to like, like she was expecting something of him sexually. That's how I read it. I could be completely wrong, but I'm like, when I think about it in the context of other women kind of looking at him, like he's a piece of meat, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm, I'm wondering if he's like, Oh, there's an ulterior motive with this. And I love that she just goes in and says, no, how about you're welcome? Aww. So like he thought that there was going to be all these pent up expectations of, oh, God, oh, God, I'm not prepared for this to, you know, just say you're welcome. That's it. I took it more as he just didn't know how to respond simply because he's never mm-hmm. been in that situation mm-hmm. and he's never really had to say thank you or you're welcome or right. anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. Like that, like just, without there being something transactional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's how yeah. that's how I read it. Like he just simply mm-hmm. like, fuck, like what do I? What do you expect me to say now? Right. Like how am I supposed to respond to that? Like error four hundred four does not compute. <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> like his brain is literally like, what do I do? <laughs> like, tell me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. You know, you see, I love this face because this face that he makes next is a very childlike face. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of when he was younger. And he looks away, he has a sweat mark, his, you know, his like he has this downturned mouth again. Yeah. But then he's able to say it. He can't look her in the face when he says it. He's still looking down and he blushes, but he says, Welcome. He doesn't say the full the full thing, you're welcome. He can't, but he's he makes progress. Yeah. And then like, Bobby's reaction. <laughs> Yeah, almost like he's angry because he's he has to say or he's going to say welcome like oh my god yeah he totally reminds me of my kid when i make him apologize <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like i guess i'll say you're welcome you know yeah. i i think there's also part of him that's you know because this isn't like a typical exchange for him that he he feels like he's gonna do it wrong mm. yeah you know, like he, he's not used to these um, everyday human interactions. This isn't part of his life, like we yeah. said. And, you know, there's, I think he doesn't want to disappoint her. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Good one. Yeah. Because if you and think he- about it, like today he received a hug he was not mm-hmm. expecting, held hands for the first time. And now he's dealing with this like cute little bundle sitting on her bed. Mm-hmm. nice things about him and he's like what the? <laughs> like, 
what am I supposed to do with this? This is too intense. Like, and if we think about it in the context that he's an introvert, this is a lot of emotional heavy stuff for an introvert to take in, in one freaking night. (laughs) It's a lot. Like, I would be freaking wiped. Like, oh my God, I've peopled way too much. I'm going to cocoon. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But I love that she validates him, like, almost immediately. Like, sure, she's giggling a little bit because he's being, you know, because he he feels uncomfortable about it. But I, I think it's really important that she turns around and just immediately validates and says, you know, that wasn't bad. Yeah. You know, and I think actually it's better than if she would have full out said, you know, good job, Tora, because mm-hmm. I think that would make him too uncomfortable. You know, right. using kind of takes the edge off of it and makes it more less intense for him. Yeah. And, and this little of his yeah. face. He reacts well. He's so proud of himself. He's yeah. like a little kid who's proud. He's smiling. It's like it's an intense face that he doesn't even know existed. Yeah. Oh. It's like it's, it's like so relaxed and so content, you know. Mhm. Oh, I love Tora. <laughs> <laughs> I can't cannot deny this. <laughs> but listen to Poppy. He's not for me. Fine, mm-hmm. y'all. I I, I I relinquish him. <laughs> I really do. I actually I realized this uh, a bit ago, and I was very proud of myself that I realized like I don't have personal longings for Tora. It's often. <laughs> It's all, it's all for poppies. Yeah. You know, and I realized also, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> bear with me. I, I'm, I don't know if I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm not the only Midnight Poppy Line fan who's done this, but I've definitely mm-hmm. run through like my, you know, I, it's kind of, I feel like I do this with every man that I meet, even though I'm married and I'm married for 10 years. I've done this yeah. like ever since I was like, I don't know, a kid, like a really little kid. I don't know, 12 maybe. Uh, I've run through like every male that I meet. I'm like, I go through like this computer program, like check, 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 X, 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 you know, like, are we compatible? So I'm like, you know, intellectual, right. yes, no, physical, yes, no, uh, emotional, yes, no, spiritual, yes, no, you know, whatever, uh, financial, like whatever it is, whatever attributes I have at that moment in my life, which is pretty consistent. Um, I run through them. So I like ran through them with Torah and I'm like, I don't think we would get along at all. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I could go into like a five minutes <laughs> soliloquy about why. <laughs> yeah. I am so impressed that you did that, Mindy, because I was just like, I just adore him, but I have, I have a terrible soft spot for bad boys. And so like he, he checks off some of my would date, but probably wouldn't marry list. <laughs> Actually, if you guys, if you guys want to talk about it, we can do this. We can go through our, like, would you get along? Are we compatible with Torah checklist? <laughs> I mean, I'll go down that route. I'm good with that. Okay. <laughs> But I actually, I've mentioned this before, one of the reasons as to why I gravitate towards them as a couple is because they mirror my relationship with my partner. Yeah. Like, Scott is kind of like, he is a bad boy that's highly intelligent and kind of cut from the same cloth as him, as Tora. So it makes sense for me to find someone like Tora attractive personality yeah. wise. Yeah. And then he has that strong stoic type that is also very much like how my father is. So then it's like, mm-hmm. ah, man, I got like the positive daddy issues. And then I got this like bad boy, <laughs> like partner and then somehow bring them together and they make a Torah. I was like, dang, 
<laughs> oh my God. That is too funny. What's interesting is that my, my husband, he's, we've talked about this on the podcast before. He's very much a positive person. And so his personality wise, like how he jokes and, and how he's just kind of this jovial guy, like reminds me more of Poppy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, but he's also like, he's got a little bit of like tough guy macho to him because he was in the military and you know, that's, that will turn you into a macho guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like the biggest nerd in high school. I like we, you know, you do the thing where you, when you meet your, their families, you go through the baby pictures and whatnot. And I saw like, he was band geek. <laughs> um, so like that, that kind of like met my, my nerdy check. Oh my gosh. No. On the Scott was like, <laughs> Mo like mohawk wearing bleach blonde, yeah, like ah! <laughs> ox blood, like Doc Martin boots, leather jackets, chains, like all that stuff. He was straight punk. He was a straight punk in high school, and then he was in a metal band in his twenties. I was like, oh God, of course, <laughs> <laughs> I would fall for someone like you. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's like like real life version of Spike from Buffy for me. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Did I really just let like, that happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> so, and I always had a thing for Spike. I was always Team Spike more than I was ever Team Angel. Like my sister was Team Angel. I was like, nah, that dude is no. <laughs> I was like Spike all the way. He worked for his humanity back. I'll take him. <laughs> God, you know, and what's funny is I, I, I can't remember if it was us or if it was the other gal because I've done so many of these podcasts in the last couple of days. <laughs> uh, we were talking about Buffy as I'm like, I was always Team Angel, but uh, I appreciated Spike. I appreciated yeah. Spike definitely. Um, and so, like that was that was my very first fandom. That was like hardcore fandom was Buffy. Um, and so I, I love finding little parallels in the story to, guess, to Buffy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Buffy. How, like, it is honestly the best TV show that has ever been created. Buffy. And if you're listening to this and you don't know who Buffy the Vampire Slayer is. You're too young. Okay? Like, and you need to watch Netflix. Go. Yeah. Go now. Okay, yeah. you're, I'm one of those people. Like, I told you yesterday, I watched 10 days of Buffy. That's it. You know, and, and it was... Um, mm-hmm. to say not not memorable enough for me to stick around. <laughs> Sorry, I was a no, kid. I was okay. a little kid. I was a little kid. Okay, I, I'll try again. I'll try. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's actually much better as an adult. I will say that because there's things that you miss when you're younger, and you're like, oh, okay, I did not understand that because <laughs> it came out in like the early '90s, and I think I was like maybe like eight or nine at the time that it came out. Maybe a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Was um, it early? No, no, because um, no, it was ninety-seven. It came it out 97. in ninety-seven. So I remember mm-hmm. I was in the seventh grade when it came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yes. So, and I remember watching the movie, and and now right, thinking back, I'm like, why did my parents even let me watch that? I was like eleven. <laughs> <laughs> I was very firmly Girl. still in Dawson's Creek like mindset, but then I was like, wait a minute. Why did my parents even let me, why did my parents let me watch Dawson's Creek? 
Girl, I, I asked myself the same question because one of my favorite movies is Edward Scissorhands. It's one of my absolute <laughs> favorites. My parents let me watch that movie when I was like five or six years old. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did you let me watch this? <laughs> you know, parents back then, they just didn't censor so much. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That's very yeah, true. I, I feel like 80s and 90s parents, they didn't censor. They No, they did they not. your life. <laughs> It was great. Okay. It was great childhood. I hate to interrupt this, um, this lovely, like, general fandom conversation. I'll try to try to stick back to it. Yes. I okay. guess, um, well, I'll say why. Like, there's a couple of reasons why I think Tora and I would not be compatible because to round it off. But um, a big reason for me is like intellectual stuff. My husband mm-hmm. is a philosopher and a total uh, professor. He's not an actual professor because of, like I mentioned, his background. So he, he wasn't able to finish school. But um, but he's like the stereotype of an aftermind professor. We have like a thousand books at home and he reads all day, listens to podcasts all day. His head is in the clouds. So like being someone intellectual is like it's crucial for me. Um, it's kind of like number one after, well, number two, I guess, after just being a good person. And uh, Tora doesn't seem to be that. Also, for better or for worse, and like I mean that like from the bottom of my heart, um, I need a more passive guy or I'm, I feel more comfortable with a more passive guy. Um, my father is very passive and um, I grew up expecting to be like a dominant one in the relationship. And yeah. it's, um, it's something I'm working on and my husband has to work on also because he tend, I realize like he, he's passive because of how he was raised and that's not good for him. And I'm too domineering. And we kind of like, we both click with each other because of that. He was attracted to me, um, not just for my brain, but also because I gave him a measure of control and security that he didn't have growing up because his house was so dysfunctional and chaotic. And I'm so tough and, and strong and organized and like strong minded. He felt safe with me. And uh, he knew like that he could rely on me and like I would be in control and, and he wouldn't have to worry about anything. You know, like I do the bills, I do the house, I do the, you know, electricity, like all that stuff. Um, but then, you know, it leads to like, he's too passive and then I get, you know, resentful and like, why don't you step up more to the plate? And then sometimes I, I, I steamroll him. Right. And I have to work on that. And he doesn't stand up enough because he never learned how to stand up for himself. So anyway, for better or for worse, Torah is too, at this point in my emotional development, too, um, aggressive and too tough for me. Like I wouldn't click. I feel like we would argue a lot. I don't think he'd be interested in me. Honestly, I think I'm too tough for him, you know? So. Um, yeah, so those are the two big reasons that, you know, as much as I appreciate Torah as a person, I don't think we could be in a relationship. But yes, I have given this serious <laughs> I love that you went down the rabbit hole with that. That's just so awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone within the fandom has. Oh, yeah. It. It's, it's, if you're reading a romance, I don't care who you are, you're, you're self-inserting at some point. Everybody does it. It's okay. <laughs> it's how you, it's, you know, like, stories. It's, it's how you connect is by. So- yeah. <laughs> Goodness. And, you know, like when I, when I think about it and I think I've mentioned this on Patreon before, but you know, I have dated guys like Tora before, maybe not like exactly like him, but you know, I, I got myself into some, into some rough crowds when I was growing up and um, you know, like I was, I was kind of that person that was always on the periphery Mm -hmm. where I stayed out of trouble just enough that I wasn't like getting into like serious trouble because I always valued school and like I would throw myself into it. Um, 
but like I dated guys like him um, or, or guys that were kind of in that rough and tumble crowd. Um, but it was really funny because when college came along, I was like, all right, guys, sorry, I got shit to do. Like I'm gone. Mm-hmm. You, Cause you can, you can pull that shit off in high school, but you know, for, like for me, it was like, okay, it's college time. I'm an adult. I need to get serious. So like, I think me staying on the periphery of that also helped me like not get too deep into some of these unhealthy relationships. I mean, I did, I did have a handful of them and they weren't great. And honestly, like, I, and, and I think, you know, we've, I've talked back and forth about this. Like he's the kind of guy who like, sure, he's he's got that soft side to him but like you in real life you should run from this type like like opposite direction what are you doing you know Mm -hmm. um until he's kind of done his own work and like maybe not in a gang anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) just a thought that is that is true Right. If we ever put our minds to it and think about it, yeah, that's what we get. But I try not to think about it too much because then I can't get into the story, you know? Like, I I, yeah. I want to remember that, like, we just love him and not remember that he's super dangerous and lives a crazy life. And we should, yeah, like you said, never, never go near him. <laughs> so it's yeah. Sad. Like, it, it really is sad. I understand that, you know? And, and we, if you think about it, like, there are so many people in real life who are in this situation who never get the help they need to get out of the gangs and, you, yeah. know, you know, die young and, and miserable and lonely. And it's, it's very sad. Yeah. That's very true. Well, maybe, maybe all of us can make a conscious effort to do something for that. I know you're a therapist, Patty, so I feel like you're on the front mm-hmm. lines of helping people. Yeah. I'm, and, and I have worked with gang members before and it's just, it's very difficult work. Um, they, they really struggle because they tend to be like in and out of the system by the time that they come to therapy and that they're in a court program. Um, um because I work with a lot of court programs Yeah, and it's, it's very difficult for them to get out of that life because it permeates every inch of their lives. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like, even if they want out, even if they want something different from themselves, usually by the time they come to my office, they've got a rap sheet a mile long and good luck getting a good paying job with something like that. You know, it's just, it's very difficult to get out of that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Well, what's, um, have there been stories that like have been, have touched you more than others or that what you've seen success in? Like, and do you, do you think of that when you read this story? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I see like little tidbits, you know, uh, of like things that I've seen with my clients. Uh, I mean, obviously I can't go into details, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, there are success stories. It is possible. It's just, you have to work at it. Um, In particular, I work with a program that um, helps women get out of those types of situations. And it's a very intensive program. And I mean, these women are in treatment Monday through Friday, like nine to five. And, you know, they have to basically cut off so much of their life and you have to help them build a support system around them. Because if, if you just put them through treatment and you have them, you know, go do their thing and then you let them out into the world, they're not going to be successful because they're going to go right back to the environment that they came from. Mm -hmm. You have to help them get out of that environment. And it requires a lot of work with community partners, but I have seen it done. And there, there is one particular client that I can think of, you know, this person was in gangs most of her life 
and for her to actually go like i think this person had said like it took you know seven stints in treatment for me to finally get it and decide that i wanted to do this mm-hmm. so it was just a, she was a really inspiring story and so you know when we're looking at stuff like this like i think of her um so but it's 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 really rewarding to see them be able to do that but it is a lot of work and it requires a lot of different community partners to make it happen. Mm-hmm. I think about it often in the sense that, you know, if you like kids start out, I mean, you know, some kids obviously are more, are born more difficult than others. Like there are some kids who have mm-hmm. ability to, you know, nastiness, but in general, like kids start out, you know, innocent and pure. And then you put them in like a good home and with good parents and they turn out, you know, mostly fine. And then yeah. like, but some, but you know, some kids are just like, they're ruined by their environment. It's just tragic, you know? And I mean, and again, we see this with Torah, right? Like, you know, we see a little bit later that, you know, there was something to him when he was a kid, which is, well, you know, it's mentioned later, but you know, he was a kid and he was brutalized by Vincent and that's how he is, how he is. And it's yeah. just tragic. But I, you know, I, I also want to say that, like, yes, there there are some instances where it is exceedingly difficult. But I think if given the opportunity and the right environment and the right people around them, that people can and do recover all the time. Like, it's, like I said, it's it's very difficult, but it can be done. That's reassuring. Um, we're definitely yeah. going to, we're, we're hoping, we're assuming we'll see that play out over here yeah. And I mean, just remember that this is a romance, y'all. That's true. <laughs> I always fall back on that when I'm like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Like, yes, it is more than a romance. There's so much more to the story than that. But I fall back on this is a romance. Romances and- have happy endings. Yes. Yes. That's that's a requirement. <laughs> <laughs> I have been told that is a requirement of the genre. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now actually this does get into this next panel when he leaves her does get into the more nefarious parts of his life. He is down there with his car looking up at her balcony and he's thinking to himself, low floor, empty units above and below, isolated building with easy access. Couldn't she have picked a better place to rent just because this place is cheap? So he's just worried about her security. So Mm -hmm, he... You know, he says he'll have his men stationed around, but get to her if I'm too far away, which again, he, he just has like men at his disposal, which is interesting to me. And, you know, he can't tailor 24 7, which just shows like he wants to tailor her 24 7. I mean, he's yeah. really good. If, if he had the ability to, he definitely would. Mm-hmm. Like he would sleep in his car outside her building. Aww. I can see him doing that, yes. He's so strongly attached to her. It's insane. Like he just, there's something that clicked and he's just, you know, Papa Tora there or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He, he has decided that he is her protector. You know, I feel like that might be something where like he knows what he's good at and that's his way that he can contribute. You know, he may not be able to write her poetry or he won't be able to like, you know, I don't know have a normal job and like show up and be like, Oh, you know, this is my husband, the uh, whatever, you know, whatever job Poppy finds respectful, but this is what he can do. You know, this is what right. he can do to show his love for her. That's very true. Like, cause he's this, this is part of his world and, and you know, a way that he can use it in a positive way. 
Right. And we did discuss, you know, people ask, like, what would Torah do? It was, a, it was a post somewhere. What would Torah do if he when he gets out of the mafia? Like, what do you picture him doing? And a lot of people were thinking, you know, like security or or actually a lot of people thought and I thought that was interesting that they that he would be helping kids out who come from a similar background as he mm-hmm. or like. Mm-hmm. That's not unheard of. I see it in my line of work quite a bit. So, I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah, he definitely would have a lot of work to do on himself before he can give to others that way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're like, he he's going over, um, you know, the security measures and whatnot. And then we get this text uh, from you that um, they got to go. They found her place of work. Um uh, giant goldfish publishing and he's like well we're going in tonight i'm like okay yep. and you see um you know this is like he's just, yeah he's sure. right there he's right in it mm-hmm. like that, that's where erdina and poppy sat before and had their heart to heart and like the panel right. we'll, we'll see it a bit later you know she gets they get stuff from they seem to get food from there <laughs> yeah yep Oh my goodness! So, and that's the yeah, stairwell she ducked into when he started texting her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now you also see. Also, by the way, the shot of him leaning against his car with like the wind blowing and the river there and the the city like um, skyline in the background. It's just beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I live in New Jersey, and I mean, I grew up in New York, but the mm-hmm. New York obviously has an amazing skyline. And um, one of my favorite places to, to visit here is Jersey City, which is a half hour from here. And you just see the yeah. whole skyline of New York and it's gorgeous. So I just love, I love these skylines. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, it was the ocean there. So he's sitting there and he's leaning back and he's thinking about her in her bed, smiling at him. And then, and pretend <laughs> <laughs> that the airplane flying above me is just to accentuate the emotional uh, context of. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, he, he clutches his heart at his chest and he bumps. <laughs> yeah, I loved that. <laughs> and he's like, What is this? Right. The way like, he turns in, he's like, What the <laughs> I, I think a bunch of us in the fandom were like, he's having that moment of like, Am I dying? What's happening? <laughs> it's never happened before. Heart attack. What do I do? Like, what is this feeling? Why is my heart beating so fast? Oh my god. Why is heat rising to my face? I have no idea what's happening to me. Yeah. Especially when he was in like, you know, I don't know, gangster mode where he's talking about infiltrating someone's workplace. Right. To go in and all of a sudden he's like, what? Oh my god, I love it so much! Like that—that that made me crack up. Like, and and I, I, I know I've seen it a million times because I've read this comic over and over a million times. But just when he has those moments of vulnerability, I'm like, yes, <laughs> that's what we love. I think we women love nurturing the vulnerable man. <laughs> you know what's funny? I yeah. will say, yeah, I have like um while literally what during the episode that okay, well I can't say this because it's in a future episode, but whatever i'll tell you later sorry (laughs) um anywho so yeah you know what i think this also shows us that you know we always wonder is torah a virgin and we assume he's not but um we we also assume that he's never had a relationship and i think this pretty much confirms it because 
he doesn't even know what it feels like. What's this feeling of like, I'm falling in love with someone. He doesn't recognize it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's not you. Like, what are these feelings? I do not. I don't do feelings. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. But you're so right. He's very much, uh, well, I don't want to say very much, but like he's got some emotional stunting because of that. Um, he he hasn't had a chance to form an attachment with somebody. Right. Actually, this brings up somebody on the Patreon comment said this. Let me see. I wrote down, let's see if I can read it in this dark, dark place. <laughs> that, okay, Caddy Beth or something like that, if I can read my head writing. She said that people who grow up without affection tend to lash themselves on to the first person who is willing to give it freely. And sometimes it's not healthy. So she was she was nervous about Torah even being too attached to Poppy easily because he right. hasn't had affection. And you actually commented on that. And so I guess you can, you can continue to comment there where you talked about their attachment styles and and how you thought it was, was helping. Oh, and you talked about reparenting, which I think is... Oh, yes. Yes. So there's, and, and I talk about this at length and we see it over and over again in the series. Um, but, you know, Poppy, I mean, yes, she, we find out that she has been through some stuff in her life and that she does have some abandonment issues, but she also had some positive people in her life where she could be securely attached. Um, and so she's had the experience of, you know, please and thank you and having a friendly relationship with someone. I mean, obviously we know they're attracted to each other, but I, I think that Poppy is treating this as kind of like a friendship sort of thing right now. Mm-hmm. Like that she's very much keeping him at arm's length. You know, this is, this is not, um, this is not a romantic attachment for her at this point. She thinks he's cute you know, whatnot. She sees that he's a better person than he puts himself off to be. Um, but she's also coming from a space of emo- emotional security in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong. Like, yes, she has her issues and we find this out throughout the comic. Um, but you can still be securely, a securely attached person and, you know, still, still have some things that are not so great about your relationships. I mean, that's just normal and natural. Now, Torah, by contrast, I would say that he's insecurely attached because he doesn't quite have that secure base. He's got a little bit of it uh, with Joe. He had with Joe and with Alice. Um, But I I still think like there's, there's a piece of him that didn't get the the same milestones that Poppy might've in, in a parental relationship. Mm -hmm. And so that, that tends to like that gal was saying, like get overly attached um, and I can't remember everything that I said with that. Um, but I think that at some point that they'll meet in the middle because you, you tend to, when you're in a relationship, um, you start to take on qualities of your partner mm-hmm. in some way. Um, and he's already started to learn some of these things from her. Um, just simply through her teaching him how to say thank you and you're welcome. Like that's something very basic. A parent would teach a child. Um, and she, like I said, throughout, she's very patient and very gentle with him about it because I think she, she gathers that he's not had this experience and that he wouldn't know. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so nice. I mean, I think you're so right about Pat, about, about, about Poppy. I'm sure you would do the same in this situation, but about Poppy, you know, being kind of intuitively understanding that and giving him, like you said, patience. I think, well, I didn't quite realize how sensitive she was to him. Yeah. 
yeah, she she's more empathic than she gives herself credit for. Um, and of course, we know that that Tora, we've learned later on that he's very much empathic. Um, but I I think it's interesting, like when we get towards the end of this episode, like with Poppy alone in her apartment, um, she seems to be the type that people lean on quite a bit. Um, she's, she's very reliable. We've seen that at work. And now that she's been kind of, you know, that, that sort of thing can drain you at the end of the day. I mean, speaking in my own work, um, you know, it's there, there can be uplifting moments and then there can be times where it just sucks the life out of you. And you're like, I I just need to cocoon and I need to like regroup. Um, and I feel like we're seeing that a little bit here. Right. And a couple of people also talked about it in the comments and you see right away, like very distinctly, there's two shots of her balcony versus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's off. And now it's like, you're right. It's her cocooning time. It's her time to relax. And like, now she's in the dark. Now she, you know, she's given so much of her life over to other people and now she's drained. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to recharge Poppy and she probably needs to get some damn sleep. And the way that she sits on the edge of her bed, it kind of reminds me of like praying or meditating. You know, she's Mm -hmm. taking the time to just focus then. Yeah. So she's, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. You're fine. Okay. So she slips out her phone and she shows us what she was, googling before she googled the Baltimore organization and most of the links are pretty reputable organizations you know oh like this corporate bs sorry i I know i'm in business school but whatever we promise to deliver with the utmost dedication to serve to nurture to enrich (laughs) and then uh, she has we have to point out the adorable link in middle there the avocado organization avocado advocates be an advocate today challenges we have been facing with the avocado industry please send help she bookmarked that page. <laughs> oh God! And her, her, uh, her, you know, her, her profile picture is a, a dancing hula hooping avocado. <laughs> oh my gosh! Can we just can we also point out that she's on page twenty three of fifty? So oh, oh my God! Has, she is. She's a stalker. She's a stalker. I love her. Oh my god, I'm not the only crazy one. <laughs> I don't think I ever got to page 23. I that's that's far back, but I've definitely yeah, page 23 of or 50. She has been looking for a while. Wow, I did not notice that. Yeah. Which also shows the way how well hidden they are in terms of their nefarious activities because she had to go to page 23 to get to that link. There's one <laughs> link over there that's um that's suspicious, and it's all the way back there. Yeah. Yeah, so she was reading it before Regine came, you know, to give her that pep talk. And the, the nefarious link is two of our journalists, you know, journalists of Naren.org, two of our journalists have been missing for weeks. We are devastated. If you know of any criminal activities, please do your part, report to the authorities. Every report counts. We can take them down member by member. If we work together, then you see this page is no longer available. It says mm-hmm. urgent, please read before the threat is wiped out. And it was. So this clan is powerful. They probably killed some journalists and they can take out the information as well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that that was buried on the 23rd page makes you wonder, like, who do they have working for them? Uh-huh. And so, wow. I, and now, now this gets back to what we were discussing earlier about, like, any rational person should really stay far away from Torah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she even says that to herself a little bit here, like, 
you know, just like what kind of organization is he involved in that this would be a thing. And like, of course she's putting two and two together with her, like the way that she viewed shark and Claude, like you can just tell those two are sinister mofos. Like, like, I'm sorry, you could just tell. Um, And, you know, so I'm sure she's putting that together and we're, you know, worried about, she was worried about Mr. Lamb's safety. And, I mean, she still doesn't quite know, like, what his role is within the organization. Um, But he's also been pretty frank with her. Like, why did you come to Aries Street? Like, remember, they got into an argument when she went down there by herself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, to me, she's like, she's starting to put it all together. And, like, I couldn't just let this go. But, like, you know, I think the side of her that cares about Torah is what made her hesitate in calling the police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She says so explicitly. And like, it's very, mm-hmm. you know, she starts out by saying she couldn't re- bring herself to read that page. And she has a yeah. word expression, which is again, very typical poppy. She li- likes to live in denial and push away things. She doesn't want to think about, but she did, you know, she was looking up ha- filing a, a criminal report about Mr. Lamb and potentially if, she, if he would have been kidnapped and, you know, it says you have to tell them everything and then she thinks about how when he gave her the business card she she doesn't want to tell them about him she says i don't know what the implications would have been for him and what kind of investigations you know how it would affected him his position like she's thinking about him in terms of his safety even with within the context of him being in a dangerous organization she's already thinking about protecting him and she didn't go to the police because of that she held it off and so she's like thank goodness he escaped in time you know but then she's thinking to herself will I have to do this again in the future? Yeah. <clears throat> and to me, that is heavy foreshadowing mm-hmm. because that's, you know, if, if there's anything I've learned about Lily's writing is that they don't have her, like she doesn't write this stuff for no reason. And so to me, I'm like, Oh boy, this is going to come up again. Right. And she decides to clear out the browser history. And like the, the thought that she has She's thinking of his face when he's looking at her on the balcony and it's a real tender open face and you can see why she doesn't want to have to report him because she, she sees the better part of him. Right. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this is where my panels are no longer loaded. So you'll have to tell me what's next. <laughs> yeah. So is she says, you know, you know, uh, this is why I held off going to the police for as long as I could, because I didn't know like what the implications would be for him. Um, and she's really considerate and just really wants to, um, in, I, I mean, to me, she wants to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but then she says, you know, so thank goodness Mr. Lamb managed to escape in time because she probably would have had to call the police if he hadn't gotten away. I mean, if we think about it, he was with Shark and Claude all day long. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could have killed him at any point. Yep. Um, and, you know, when she clears the browser history and she puts her phone away, um, and of course she goes to that, sorry, I was a little behind. She goes to that panel where, you know, we see Tora looking at her. Um, and, you know, she, she's got this little blush on her face. But she's also very concerned. Like you can tell, like there's a lot of consternation and and worry on her face. Mm-hmm. And, and then she says, "You know, will I have to choose again?" And then she just puts her face in her hands. And I was like, "Oh my god, Poppy! I just want to go through this screen and hug you." <laughs> yeah, <sighs> herself into 
Like she knows yeah. that she's in deep. She yeah, she knows she's in deep. She knows what she's getting herself into. She already knows that Torah is part of some kind of nefarious organization and that there will be a chance that she'll have to be forced to, you know, look at her morals head on and what do you do with it? Yeah. That's hard. Well, and if, you know, working for a publishing company, I mean, she's part of the media and we've seen right there that reporters have been kidnapped. Mm -hmm. You know? So, I mean, this, this has heavy implications for her um, because they don't just do book publishing. They, they do tabloid publishing too. That was one of the things that was brought up in Erdine's conversation with her. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to me, like they're looking for the scoop and the hot news. And, you know, if this thing with the notebook gets out and it becomes news, if they get involved with it, that could really put Poppy in a dangerous position. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Well, this is, you know, this is what makes the story so compelling. High stakes. This is actually another thing Robert McKee says. Um, I read about like screenwriting. Robert McKee wrote this amazing book called Story, which is all about mm-hmm. basically telling stories. It's specifically for screenwriting, but it really is about stories. And he says, you know, like you have in order to make the story compelling, there have to be high stakes. Like the the consequences for you know something happening or not happening have to be big in order to, for it to be, you know, juicy, biting for it to, to take you, your grab your attention. You can't just have consequences of like, oh, my friend won't like me. There's life or death. You know, that's like the highest one. Or you know, national security. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whatever it is. But that's what makes our struggles real and compelling. Yeah. Absolutely. And the stakes are freaking high here. Yes, they are. Goodness. So like we had all of that fluff and all of that greatness. And then like we leave on a point of tension. (laughs) Oh, Lily would do that to us though. It's what she does. She loves it. That's funny. That's also what Robert McKee says. Every scene has to, um, the emotional tone has to end, you know, from positive to negative or negative to positive. Yeah. There we go. In order for it to be like, you know, feel fresh and exciting like things are moving mm-hmm. yep. oh, that yeah that is book true is goodness awesome. this is such a great episode there's lots of roller coaster stuff I feel like I get that more and more every time mm-hmm. <laughs> well thank you so so much Patty and Veronica for coming yeah. on yeah. Welcome. thank you Thanks for having us. Thanks to the listeners. Uh, <laughs> hope you enjoyed our rambling. We had fun. Can't help it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I'll catch y'all later. Talk to you later. Sounds good. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.